11. I also want to thank Hannah and Raul because this week's subject, the titillating subject of head coverings. And I said, Hannah, pick worship music that goes with that. <laughs> and they did good. They did good. It's kind of a hard of a hard concept we try and get together and figure out what kind of stuff will go with my teaching and this one here is kind of off the wall a little bit so um if you guys remember last week we we talked about paul instructing us not to lose our memories and forget the sins of our fathers we talked about remembering what jesus would do and how that movement um, sparked a little reminder in us just to kind of take a second to pause and think about something before we do it. It stops us from reacting in our flesh and helps us to act in God's will. Um, we even gave out those little silicone bracelets. Who's got them? Everybody got them on? No? No? Jamie? Oh. What would Jesus do in this moment right now? Reprimand you? No. No, he wouldn't. Grace. Grace. That's what would happen. Um, but we gave those out so you guys could kind of remember. This week we're going to start chapter 11. And once again, it's one of those subjects that most pastors don't want to touch. Um, and it, it makes those of us who teach systematically kind of wish that we taught topically <laughs> and in reality I actually love that I teach systematically because I can't dodge these subjects I have to deal with them and the reality is that all of God's Word is profitable it's all there for our instruction we're, we're to learn from God's Word we don't smorgasbord theology this stuff where we pick and choose the stuff that we like and we kind of ignore the Brussels sprouts over here because we don't like that part. Head coverings is kind of a Brussels sprouts thing, but we deal with it because it's there. We want to know what God has to teach us. I don't fear teaching subjects like this because the reality is I'm just teaching God's word. If you guys have an issue with it, look up, shake your fist and go, I'm sorry, God, I don't like that one. That's the reality of it. Um, I try very hard, very hard, to explain God's word by properly exegeting what scripture says. And I try and make it as applicable to today and what we deal with in our own, in our own world as much as I can, because that's, I think that's the most important part about teaching is taking the word and making it apply to what you're going through, what we're going through, what, we're, what the world's going through. We've seen throughout the book of 1 Corinthians that we today are very much like they were then. Um, there's nothing new under the sun, as Solomon used to say. We, we sin the same. We rebel the same. We go after the things of the flesh the same. We, er, we even turn around and we blame God for what happens in our life the same way. Um, today, though, we're going to get into some delicate topics. The, the, the things that I'm going to deal with today are order, equality, and contentiousness. So please stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to go through verses 1 through 16. I had a slideshow. It didn't show up on the computer thing, so you guys are going to miss all the colorful presentation that I did. It's and my fault. 
it's not Hannah's fault. I'm not blaming Hannah. Um, let's just say that it was God ordained. <laughs> I must have had something in there he didn't want anybody to see. <laughs> All right, so verse 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend, I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of the, every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image of, and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? For her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Amen. You may be seated. So, honey, can you turn that fan on and point it this way? I don't know why it's hot up here. We have to talk to Mr. Smith because I don't think that air is working, that front one. He's not here, though. Is he home watching on TV? You don't know. Probably He's probably sleeping. That's good. Thank you. That's a little blasty. All right. So as we see, Paul first says to be imitators of him as he is in Christ. you got to remember, he was a teacher to the people of Corinth. He was an example. There's nothing wrong with following in a man's footsteps as long as you're both headed towards Christ. Paul is just saying to follow his example because he's following Christ. Our first point of order um, that we're going to deal with today is the subject of order. Paul brings up the issue of proper biblical order in the house. How many of you guys have ever seen that little umbrella picture? It would have been on the screen, but there's a little umbrella, there's a little umbrella picture and, and it kind of goes where it's God is the bigger umbrella, and then there's man underneath that, and then the, the, the wife is underneath that, and then the children's down below that. The thing we've got to remember is that context is everything. We are reading here today, again, from a correction letter that Paul sent to the church in Corinth. So what was the purpose of him writing this to them? Well, 
what was going on was the women of Corinth had taken liberties that Paul didn't think that they should have taken as far as prophesying and praying without head coverings. Now, if you remember, there was a letter that Paul had written to the Galatians, and in chapter 3, verse 28, he said, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Spiritual, spiritually, we're all one people. And that's important, but not really the discussion that Paul is having with them today. Paul wanted to remind them that God had laid out an order so that there would be unity in the body of Christ as one family. And really as the church as a whole. Christ was the head of everything. Man was supposed to be the head of the woman. And now, before all the women get up and leave, this is not a lordship over women. That's not what Paul was talking about here. Ephesians 5, 22, if you guys, most of you guys know this, says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Most men stop right there and go, yes, woman, submit to me, right? But wait, there's more. Paul continues, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. It's a position of authority, but to be the head servant as Christ was. Let's read all about what men are supposed to do. It's kind of funny because there's this little section in Ephesians where it's like, Women submit to your husbands, and then men, this is all the junk you have to do. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the, way, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are all we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become flesh. Two shall become one flesh. He is led in love and to treat his wife as Christ did, giving up himself for her. It's not supposed to be a woman, do this because I said so. That, that's not the position of headship in the family. It's supposed to be a nourishing and a cherishing position. Ultimately, the man is responsible for leading the family. God put that on him. He will answer one day for how he led his family. His headship is with the idea that he is one flesh with his wife, though. It's, it's, not, it's not supposed to be a hierarchy. It's supposed to be a leadership in love. Okay? So he would never do anything that would hurt his own flesh. It's supposed to be that way with his wife. Sadly, this section ultimately gets horribly misinterpreted 
and we get abusive home lives. Um, we get bad marriages and, and worse leadership. And you, you get into, you know, they, they don't call them little white t-shirt things. They don't call them wife beaters for nothing. That, that kind of junk comes from this kind of misinterpretation of this scripture. It's supposed to be husbands leading sacrificially their, their wives. That's what that's supposed to be. The concept is that God gave Adam a wife to help. Remember, Adam was in the garden, and it was created. And it, what, you guys need to remember this. When you go through the creation story, the story of Adam, what, what, it was the first time God ever created something and said, it's not good. He needed to create a wife to be with Adam. God knew that man needed a woman because women complete guys. I screw up so much stuff, guys. Well, you all know this. <laughs> you all know I do this. And my wife, I, ta I talked about this last week, my wife is always like, did you really mean to say it that way? Eh, yeah, not really, but... You may get wives that may submit because they think the Bible tells them to. But what kind of marriage do you end up having? I can tell you, I went through this. Literally went through this. We need to have discussions. We need to hear our wives' input. We need to take their advice. They see things from a different perspective than we do. Ultimately, we both can't have the final say, but we have to look at things in a way that we understand what our wives' perspectives are and we need to understand that they will always have our best interests at heart. At least they should. Again, it's not a position of power. It's a position of servitude. Christ, just get the imagery in your head of Christ washing the feet of the disciples in that last moments of his life. That's kind of the imagery I want you to have as husbands serving their wives. That, that's what Christ did. Let's go to our next point, which is equality. If you read the text, it doesn't seem very fair, does it? Men get to do this, and women get to do this, and why is it not the same? Why is it not equal? Men are to uncover their heads, women are to cover them. Oddly enough, if you guys read any history at all, the Jewish tradition was for men to always pray with their heads covered. A talith or four-cornered shawl, I had a picture of it, there's, there's, it's got fringes on it with eight threads, and each one of those threads is knotted five times. Those were to be worn in the synagogue whenever the men prayed, okay? So Paul kind of flips this a little bit, and Paul actually takes more of what would be considered a Greek tradition in this case, which was for the men to, to pray with their heads uncovered, Okay? It's thought that Paul went to the Greek version because Christ himself stood before the Father without a veil and, and we're to share in the same glory that Christ did. The head covering in Scripture, though, think about this, is usually denoting mourning. Someone died, they put on a head covering. Something traumatic was going on, they put on a head covering. 
Even the angels covered their faces with wings because they could not look upon the glory of God. That's kind of the imagery that you have, and that's one of the reasons why they said that women needed the head coverings. Verse 10 says, that is why the wife ought, ought to have an authority or a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. But Christ, Christ said to come to him. Christ said to come sit at his feet and to learn to follow him by carrying your own cross. There wasn't any restriction for coming to the feet of Christ. And I, I really don't want to get into the legalism of the hair thing because I, I, I don't see the length of hair as a salvation issue. There's a reason Paul brought it up, okay? The reason that he brought it up was it was because of the women in Corinth, their heart was not right. They were using their apparel and haircuts to show their equality with men. You guys see any of that going on today? I actually had a picture of some of that. Um, and we see that, we see that happening all over the place today. You look on, turn on the television. I mean, it's like, it's, it's all over the place. If you have a, if, if females, women, womenly type, if you have short hair because your husband likes it, whatever, who cares? If you have short hair because you want to rebel against the man, that's, that's a sin issue. That's a heart issue. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Who, who, you guys had a picture of this. Who remembers Pat from Saturday Night Live? Pat was this character that nobody could tell if it was a female or a male, right? And the entire, the entire thing, the entire shtick of the whole thing was to keep saying things to try and trip Pat up into revealing Pat's identity. And Pat would always like switch it back to something else that was completely non-identity related, right? Wouldn't that be confusing to have someone that you work with and not know who or what they are? And it's, it's, there's a big push, sadly, in today's culture for this thing called gender neutrality. This idea that we shouldn't see gender. Why? Why are we there? This is kind of one of the issues that Paul's talking about here. I, I love that God made us all unique. Why would we desire to run away from what we are? I actually give my kids a lot of stuff over this, but you know, they'll like, Dad, I want to color my hair purple. I'm like, why? They're like, well, because it's cool. I'm like, yeah, but God gave you like blonde hair and it looks cool. Why are you running away from what you are? How many of you guys have seen women dressed like men? How many of you seen men dressed like women? They dress up like the opposite gender. They wear makeup. And that's what Paul's talking about here when he says it's unnatural. We are purposely trying to fool people into thinking we are something that we're not. We're bearing false witness is what that is. We shouldn't be doing that. Women who have shorter hair is not the issue. Purposely trying to look like a man is. When, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but you know, you'll see somebody that basically wears man pants and a man shirt and 
all this, and it's like, why are you purposely trying to deceive people into thinking that you're something that you're not? Some even go as far as to surgically mutilate themselves to take on this new persona. That's unnatural. That's kind of the stuff Paul's talking about here. Normally, there is something traumatic in somebody's life that causes them to make these decisions. But it's not natural for someone to go to such lengths to create or change something into something that's completely different than what God created them to be. The reality is, I asked the question, you all raised your hands. They're not fooling anybody. We all know what's going on there. We all know that they're doing this and they're trying to deceive something, or at least themselves, into thinking that they're something that they're not. The reality is, DNA doesn't lie. No matter how you cut your hair, you still have the same chromosomes. If you get everything cut off or get something added, you're still having the same chromosomes. It doesn't matter. Now, you're just technically a medical mess. The, the, the point is that we should embrace what God created. The idea that changing our outward, outward appearance will somehow fix anything inward is really just sad to me. It just shows your inward is not where it should be. And we all have things about ourselves that we may or we may not like. To change our, our identity or to try and change our gender because we think it may be easier from another perspective. Here's the reality, guys. Life's not easy from anyone's perspective. It's just not. We, the, we live in a fallen world. There's a lot of sin. If you find your identity in how people see you, you miss the entire point of Christianity. Your value is in how Christ sees you. And he saw something worth dying for. And we always need to remember that because it's not about what's on your head. It's not about the clothes that you wear. It's about your heart. What's in your heart? It's what Christ looks at. We, we don't see this much today. I, I know that I had a friend of mine who used to go to our old church that she, she firmly believed in wearing a head covering. Um, the, veil, the veil at the time that Paul was writing this was a symbol of subordination. To discard the veil was to dishonor the husband as the head. And basically it was claiming his position. So if you had a husband and wife, if, if the husband was there and the wife took off the veil, she was basically claiming to be equal with her husband. Um, in, in our Western culture today, we don't see, we don't see the, the veils or headdress. So the reality is this doesn't really apply too much to us. Again, Paul's issue with the women of the time was their anti antagonistic hearts. Um, and they were doing this on purpose to rile up their men. Verses 11 and 12 say, Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as a woman is made of the man, a man is now born of the woman. And all things are from God. Equality is being seen as the same in the eyes of God. 
And I think from our, our earlier passage, we saw that that's true. Contrary to the homosexual movement narrative today, men need women and women need men. We're, we're codependent for survival. If everybody in the world today became homosexual, homosexuals, one generation, that's all it takes, it's done. And actually, if you go back and you look historically, when homosexuality is embraced in a culture, typically that culture does not survive very long. We're all created in the image of God, man, woman, and child. We're all equal in our worth. God values us all the same and wants us all to have the same salvation, the same eternity, the same love for one another. We should not look at each other and see opposition. We should all see each other as one flesh independent in thought and deeds, but totally dependent on each other for life and love and reflection and prayer and support and needs and desires. That's supposed to be what a marriage is. We need to be on the same page. That's technically exactly what the term equally yoked means. Too many, too many divorces, and this is sad, I think it's like 50%, Divorces are, are written up as what they call irreconcilable differences. You know what that literally means? It means we stop trying. We don't agree anymore, so we're just done. We're also equal in our need to compromise. It can't always be my way. I don't know, look around you, this is not Burger King. We have to serve one another. This section of scripture today is not about what's on your head. It's about what's in your heart. Are we looking out for ourselves or are we looking out for our spouse? I, I, I can tell you, I've seen it a lot. And, and I've, I've seen church, I've seen church movements that are all about the legalism of the hierarchy of the man and, the, and how the women should just sit back, shut up, don't say anything. And I can tell you what those, what those home lives look like. And it, it, it's not pretty. It's not good. It's not what God intended. Nowhere in Scripture is, is there a servant attitude in that, in that hierarchy. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Paul's warning is to the church based on the activities that he's seeing going on in the body. He sees it in Corinth, he sees it in Ephesus, he sees it in Galatia, he sees it in all these different places. There was contention happening in, in Corinth because the women were being disruptive. They were doing things on purpose to be disruptive. This, again, was not about the hair, but it was about their heart. Something to think about. Were the men 
possibly overstepping their rights in ruling their wives. Were the men not being the kind of Christ-like leaders they should have been? Pop, I would tell you possibly based on our text so far, yeah. Does that make their behavior right? The women's behavior? No. We see this in our lives every single day. Somebody makes us mad, so we do something back to make them mad, right? Actually just dealt with this issue yesterday a little bit. You know what we end up with? We end up with two mad people. Instead of just working out what the original issue was, two wrongs don't make a right, as they say. As servants of all, this should never be an issue in the church of Christ, ever. But it is every single day. The reason why is it all comes back to pride. All contention starts with pride. When both sides are prideful, it gets worse. We have no desire in the church to see contention because it leads to division. The body of Christ is supposed to be made up of a whole bunch of parts doing their part towards the common goal of furthering the kingdom. That's what the body is supposed to be doing. If it's all about what we want, that leads to division. And it leads to contention. Let's be honest. Every single one of us wants what we want, right? We all do. But, but that's not what we're supposed to be striving for. The school system for decades now has been telling little kids that it's all about them. And we wonder why, after decades, we now end up with a bunch of entitled little brats. We've been telling them for decades it's all about them. But it's not supposed to be about us. The, this, this thing here tells us it's supposed to be about others. Every single person knows it's, it's, we're last in the equation, but that's not how we, we treat each other. We work together as a husband and wife towards a goal. The goal is doing Christ's will, not our own. And I'm sorry if this was a little hard, but some of Paul's, some of Paul's points go right to the heart of the issue. Remember, this is a correction letter. We want to see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to be unified towards a, a purpose. And we want our efforts to be seen as equal. Our effort should be recognized and our love for one another should never be doubted. Our heart should be right before God and not set on outward appearances. We need to embrace our uniqueness and be thankful for how God created us in his image. Male and female, he created them. We shouldn't blur those lines. And we shouldn't be contentious, if at all possible. We're supposed to be at peace with one another.
it's not about having mine. It's not about getting what's rightfully. And I, I think that, again, we start with, we start with the heart issue. If, if a woman in your life, man, is fighting for something, it's because she doesn't feel she's getting it from you. Men, you need to pay attention to that because it, it's, it's, it's the kind of stuff that's, that leads to you reading on a piece of paper irreconcilable differences and then asking somebody to sign it. Women, your men aren't perfect. But we need, we need to give them grace. And we need to help them see what you need. We have to love the people that God puts in front of us. You know what? They might not act like you. They might not look like you. But we never know why God puts them in front of us. The goal of everything is to share the love of Christ. We're going to end with a, a quote from John Piper. Obviously, if you guys have never seen that, John Piper is like this little short guy, and he's got this podium that's like this big. I mean, it's huge. I, I want a Piper podium. He's got, it's, it's funny because he's kind of standing back here behind it like this. So you basically just see his head sticking up. Um, he says, my joy grows with every soul that seeks the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Remember, you have one life. That's all. You were made for God. Don't waste it. I, I think that as we, as we go through life, it's very hard in our pride to put ourselves down and lift others up. But we have to do that for the peace and the unity of the body, for the peace and the unity of our marriage, for the peace and the unity of our, of our home life. The more that I grow up with my wife's teaching, <laughs> I, I learn that there's a lot of things that I can be selfish about. And we can't make it all about us, man. God gave us the position of leadership to teach us to serve like he did. And that's what we should be doing with that position, not lording it over our wives. We're supposed to be the head covering for our wife to protect them and to nurture them and to love them. You notice it doesn't say in the Bible that, that women are supposed to love the men. It says men, love your, love your wives. Because it's, it's harder for us to do that. It says women submit to your husbands because it's harder for them. The point is that we should be doing everything that we're doing in love either way. It doesn't matter. She should be submitting in love. We should be serving in love. We should be loving her with everything that we have 
in a way that shows her that we love her. And I think a lot of times we just kind of push that aside. So, men, love your wives. I'll stand up, we'll pray.